0: Uh, hi, I'm Nathan, and this is Beautiful Chaos with my uh, co-host uh, Alex here.
1: Hey,
2: and our first guest, Brandon.
1: What's your last name, Brandon?
2: Oh, uh, last name is Schwager, but don't Sh- worry about trying to pronounce it right. I've gotten everything from Schwagalag to Snoop Schwaggy Schwag. <laughs> <and> so <it's, laughs> Schwag, uh, Schwab. I like that. What? No, it, it was. Um, Kind of embarrassing in junior high, I was at a uh, wrestling tournament, and one of the default etiquettes of the wrestling tournament for this particular one was they uh, announced everyone as they were coming on deck, so it was like the main wrestler wrestling, and they told the next person to get up on deck, and it was my turn to be on deck. And the announcer like didn't even try. He didn't go for one of like the easy cop-outs like Schwager or Schwagger. You just saw him pause for a little bit for the microphone, for like the whole auditorium to hear. He was like, Brandon shwa 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 lag. you're on and it's like that. there's not even an l in there yeah. like he just he just gave up and retired mid-sentence um, <laughs> his great. brain just shut off and so that like became like one of my junior high Schwag-a-lag. nicknames that i was unable to live down and it was just a whole thing he ruined my life from like 13 <laughs> right? to 15 and didn't even realize it <laughs> it wow. sounded like his brain was lagging Schwagalag. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What that uh, reminds me of your nickname? What's your favorite Swazi? Swazi, Swazi comes from,
0: from Swanstrom, which is, is like shortened
2: name. into Swazi. Yeah. That is my, like dangerously yeah. close to like a kawaii name for swastika. Swazi, yeah, yeah, has come up before. And we used like, salute him yeah. when yeah. he walks my in the room. <laughs> my old friends back home would call me Swazim.
0: But, Swazim. and then th- when I got here, they're like, let's do Swazi. Swazi. Like <laughs>
1: I think I'm gonna call you Swan
0: Princess. Swan Princess.
1: No, it's I'll too come much. up with something better. <laughs> All right. My my last name's Copeland, if anyone cares. Copeland? <laughs> Just kidding. Um. Yeah. Do you wanna I guess that's a pretty good intro. Yeah. <laughs> nice. We're good. This is our, our first podcast for Beautiful Chaos. So um we call it Beautiful Chaos because um I know my topic. I have a backup topic with our MC, Nathan. Uh Schwan Princess. Schwan. Like Schwan like the, the food truck delivery. and That's what it is. Um and then the the guest doesn't know my topic and I don't know the guest topic. So Brandon, um, do you want to start with your topic or do you want me to
2: start? Uh, I can go ahead and start. Um okay. I'll be perfectly honest, I wasn't entirely sure what type of topic to prepare. So I kind of started with a general theme. Yeah, and I uh, brought in multiple examples of the theme. Okay, um, but the broad theme was just kind of the i uh, the the notion of like the things that we don't realize that are possible, like barriers that we set up, like this is physically, historically, scientifically, like impossible. And it remains impossible until we abruptly find out that we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the, I mean, and there's several examples of this, but like one of the most famous internet meme ones was the, uh, Bumblebee in 1930s. There was, a a german biologist who did all the math that he could and he scientifically proved with all the physics principles and everything that we had that a bumblebee cannot fly it is physically impossible for a bumblebee to fly its wings and weight ratio don't line up it can't generate enough velocity yeah <laughs> and like engineers like like engineers had this like they had the the proof of the observation that clearly, like bumblebee doesn't give a flying fuck about our physics <laughs> rules and flies anyway, but uh, but they didn't know how. They couldn't prove it. Like they argued with this guy. Like they published papers, but all of the even though they had the end result right, all of their papers were wrong. Like he was actually scientifically right that um, bumblebees cannot fly. Um, we weren't able to prove that bumblebees could fly to, like two thousand five or two thousand nine when we got like. Better high resolution cameras and like better understanding of fluid dynamics. Now they create air vortexes underneath their wings. They're actually constantly hovering over a little mini cyclone that follows underneath them as they move.
0: Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Like,
2: (laughs) but we we didn't know that at the time. We didn't think that was a, like, we didn't think as far as like methods of flight, if you started a tornado underneath a plane, you could just travel across (laughs) the country that way. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's brilliant. But so, and so this is just one example, but I just like, as a broad topic, uh, things we thought were impossible.
1: Wow. Okay. I like that. That's a good one. Um, let's see. Is there anything in your life that you thought was impossible that, that you've either accomplished or someone else in your life has accomplished?
2: Um, that I've accomplished, no. But there are yeah. plenty of things that I do think are impossible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to hear some of those. I'm going to come uh, with some, too. Oh, I don't know. I, uh, m- most of them are just kind of different. Uh, it gets into slightly more personal territory, I guess. But th- yeah. there's a lot of, like, personal goals or, like, things that i meant to pursue that I have more or less abandoned at this point mm-hmm. in favor of just trying to, um, I don't know, manage my, like... Bills in my personal life and make sure that I can adequately enjoy my free time rather than like pursue your dreams, yeah um, but you know it's it's I, I was more taking it from like a scientific or historical perspective yeah, yeah. rather than like a personal life thing, but
1: yeah, um, I guess like the atom bomb well, it was, was something I was thinking of like back in you know Roman soldier days or something I'm sure that you just never thought something like that massive and destructive could could
2: exist. I mean, so for sure, but so there there's a weird sort of the way science sometimes develops. So like there's some things like the atom bomb that a Roman wouldn't have even conceived of. He wouldn't have thought an atom bomb was impossible because he wouldn't have even have considered it as an option. Oh yeah. And then there's later things that we become aware of as options and then we rule them out. Yeah. Um uh, so like Another one of the, uh, and so that, that would be a little bit different because as soon as we became kind of aware that you could split an atom and that splitting an atom uh, is something that like we're physically capable of, even long before we did it, it wasn't necessarily ruled out as impossible so much as, okay, we just need to figure out how we need to get the working materials in order. We're actually dealing with the the reverse opposite of this right now with um fusion power. We know that fusion power is possible because the sun does it. We understand the the concepts of making two atoms combine, but we don't have, like, the working materials in place that can withstand that force. Like, anywhere that we try to set up a fusion plant, there's multiple proto-fusion plants in development. They're supposed to be finished anywhere between 2030 and 2050. However, they've been... 30 years away for the past like 70 years. So my guess is they don't actually have any clue. Yeah. But but they <laughs> but they know what they're trying to do. They know what they want to do. And the idea is if they can get the two atoms to combine, they'll have a much higher force of power. Wow. So that that's not even something that it, it's no one sitting there saying fusion is impossible. Like they know they know how to do it. They just haven't done it yet. Um and so that's I there's a slight difference between that and something like the atom bomb, whereas um yeah. what was uh Okay, one thing, when um, we first developed trains, like passenger trains, previously people had only traveled, you know, by boat or by horse. And there was an approximate maximum speed of that of about 30 miles an hour. And there was a uh, prevailing theory in physics that the human body could not withstand speeds higher than like 50 or 60 miles an hour. So they were all concerned that like there you could never build a train that could go faster than like say 60 miles an hour. Because if you did, everyone on it, including the conductor, would die. <laughs> 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 so they were like dramatically we'll even afraid die. of like inventing faster trains. Like they knew they could. They were like, well, that, that, that's not possible. We can't do that. It's like, like going in,
1: against nature.
2: Yeah. It, like, even if we could, like, oh, what monster would. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, the, the first time they started testing, like this, they did it incrementally, right? It's like, what if we try going? 31 miles an hour <laughs> like you know they just like wrapping it up the tension and like they're like documented cases of people getting on some of these first like 50 mile per hour trains and like crying under the stress <laughs> because they thought they were about to be like sacrificed to like some science <laughs> god um oh, like and then um but then of course we've now found out no humans can now go like multiple times the sound barrier and like our bodies can take that and we know that now for a fact but at the time there was a barrier we knew this was possible we didn't think like, you know, like we knew we could tr- physically go that fast. We didn't know if it was it would be possible to withstand it. So like that kind of stuff is, I don't know, sometimes interesting and sometimes humbling too. Because like in, in modern science, you know, there are things we just assert as like facts, like certain factual limitations. Like you can't go faster than the speed of light. Or we know like exactly, you know, where humans came from or where the universe originated. And on some of this stuff, I think we're, we're both missing the information and we're perhaps also missing the humility to recognize we lack the information given the fact that there's so much stuff that like we've kind of gotten wrong in the past
1: yeah wow
0: <laughs> yeah i think that's really interesting like you know now we know it's more to do with like acceleration that our bodies can't handle because like which just once we get up to the speed it's relative velocity and like That's common knowledge to us now, but it's crazy to think, you know, 100 years ago or 200 years ago, like, we just had no concept of that. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. It's mad how much science has advanced.
2: And and even even to your point in terms of uh, limitations on Gs, like in terms of acceleration or changes in momentum, like... You know, they say that you're never supposed to be, go like safely faster than, you know, six G's. But we know there are people who can who have physically withstood nine G's for at least short periods of time. So even then, there's maybe some wiggle room on like. You know, we, but we do know there's a ballpark where yeah, yeah. if you rapidly change the momentum fast enough, you die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're but if you've smoothly like if you manage if you manage the momentum. You, the, there doesn't seem to be a limit to the max velocity that, you, like, your max speed doesn't cap out anywhere, provided you don't too rapidly accelerate that way.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> That's good. Speaking of velocity, it went right over my head a lot of that stuff. So, but I, I enjoy it. I enjoy listening. Like the passion you guys have for these things that I don't know much about <laughs> <laughs>
2: intrigues me. So, it's awesome.
1: Okay. Do you want me to share my topic, or you want to keep going on?
2: No, no. I think that part of the point would be like we mix topics, we mix right? Let's yeah. try topics. to. That's, that's yeah. kinda of
1: Why not? Smash it warm. might be like water and oil. This yeah. is our podcast.
0: We can do whatever we want. Yeah, uh,
1: whatever floats. Get it? Water. And <laughs> water, and water. Um. So I, at first, I was gonna go with depression, but that was too depressing. So I'm going with fear. So You can go a lot of different directions with fear. Um, and then I, I guess what I had in mind is, um what does fear look like to you? And then what does uh, fear look like from an out- outside perspective when you're looking at someone who seems fearful? And one topic I was thinking of is like, something you're not afraid of when you see other people v- like deathly afraid of. Like, how does, how does your brain um, work in those scenarios? Like, are you, uh, partially I'm, I'm kind of judgmental. I'm like, at first, I'm like, why the heck are you afraid of, that thing that's not going to happen. But in their mind, it's like definitely like most of our fears, like 90% of the things we fear or stress about never happen. So yeah, that's my topic.
2: No, I, I agree that that is, um, both an an individual and a society wide problem. Um, we're as just a species. We're so atrocious at risk assessment. It's sad. (laughs) Um, but, uh, uh, for, for me personally, did did I share with you the the wasp anecdote in the car? I don't remember if I did that or not.
1: I think you might have, but I'd love to hear it again. Oh,
2: either so I, I my uh, dad uh, is a beekeeper. And so I grew up around bees and. um, I'm OK around bees, they don't like terrify me, but I'm not like super comfortable with them either. Like I'm OK, I'm middle of the road. But I uh, specifically remember, um, I don't know, maybe it was 10, 12, somewhere in that kind of ballpark. Um, I lived in the basement, and the basement flooded out regularly. We had a sump pump in the bottom to, like, take the water out, you know, when it would get too full. Mm -hmm. And so there was one night it rained, and the basement flooded out. And there must have been a uh, wasp nest kind of tucked in between like the ground level and the subground level of the house. Cause I woke up covered in wasps. Oh, like they were oh. like all over me when I, and I like screamed, I ran upstairs. I definitely got stung. Yeah. It was the real, it was like the scariest thing to wake up to. Yeah. And, and, and since then I've had an irrational fear of wasps. I've been stung enough by bees and wasps that I have, obje- I objectively understand that It does not hurt that bad, like I can handle it. I'm not allergic, they're not life threatening to me, but Just I
1: dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> I have
2: like this weird fistful reaction where I see them and I kind of, you know, I get like a little a PTSD like PTSD. Kind of like I've definitely had girlfriends more brave brown wasps than I am. I wouldn't quite <laughs> call it PTSD because yeah. that's probably over dramatizing it, but you know, like yeah. I'll be a little more fidgety, like I don't know. <laughs> um, and they'll be like. Well, you know, they'll smack it, you know, and then I'll feel emasculated. But um, <laughs> when I was. I love your honesty. It's beautiful. <laughs> no, but this was uh, and, and I've mellowed out over time. But mm-hmm. for the first few years that I had, it was worse. It, it was pretty bad. Um, uh, I was specifically remember my dad was teaching me how to drive. Um, and he had let me uh, take the truck, you know, wherever, um, as long as he was in the truck with me, you know, uh, parking lots, down the dirt roads, where we lived, this sort of thing. Yeah. And then um, he worked up enough confidence in my abilities that I remember the first day he let me take the truck by myself uh, solo for the first time. And, uh, and he, I'm sure he was watching me from inside the house, through a window. Um, but I, I got in the truck. I uh, took it out of park. I put it in drive. I uh, put my seatbelt on. I, I was ready to go. And I saw in the rearview mirror that there was a wasp in the truck with me, like hanging out, like in the back. Um, and it, it just kicked in. I didn't have a time to like, think about this like at all. I, um, Threw my seatbelt off. I threw open the door and I like did my worst impersonation of a James Bond, you know, like stunt (laughs) roll out of the truck that I could. But I didn't do anything else, including, but not limited to, putting the truck back into park. Like it was more urgent to me to just get out, like just get. I'm no, I am not having any of this today. And the truck just kept on rolling. Like I'm out of it. It's gone. Like it went through the neighbor's fence. I believe it stopped itself against a tree. And like my dad just came bare out of the door to like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> yeah. and i'm just like there was a wasp in oh, the no. truck <laughs> like, like
1: that was the reason why it, just... it, it sounds like a dramatic um movie scene where like the villain is in the car and you jump out at the last minute and it just goes off the cliff yeah uh, but, but the wasp is the yeah. <laughs> the wasp is out to get you yeah um the wasp is the
2: enemy but, you know, him, really? you know, he'll get stung, like, dozens of times a day. So, uh, for sure, I definitely know he did not understand, like, had zero understanding or sympathy for <laughs> <toward laughs> the circumstances of this whatsoever. Oh. And I had to spend the weekend, you know, fixing the neighbor's fence. So, I mean, oh. I, I, I can understand, you know, people not understanding fears from a distance. Yeah. I, I kind of have a similar thing. When, whenever I hear people, I, I did my first uh, public speaking competition. In junior high that I won, I did a, an elementary school presentation voluntarily, like unrelated to any class that I was taking, showing people how to give shots to pigs. Not that anyone would ever need to know this ever for any reason in my elementary school class, but it's like, I can teach them a skill. Um, <laughs> and I, I did, I've done like mock trial, modeled you like mock Congress, policy debate um and you know impromptu speaking all this stuff since then yeah um and as a result um sorry right, i can hear your breath
1: oh sorry so it might be hard to edit that out uh
2: no yeah i oh, okay.
0: that'll be fu- that that's not gonna show up in the in the recording
1: okay okay cool oh, i uh, wasn't yeah. sure i was like i don't want him to have all this extra editing <laughs> at the
2: end no
0: that'll okay. that'll be easy sorry, uh, sorry. <laughs> i didn't
2: mean to interrupt <laughs> You're your train okay. of thought but no just saying that like so for me it just comes as very routine like i can you know you sit me in front of like 200 people and i can get up and talk and like that's fine yeah and then like i'll have people who are like not just like new but like supervisors you know that are in charge of crews who can't run staff meetings because they get nervous talking in front of like their 12 employees and it's like <laughs> or, or you know when they call on people it's like you know you read this paragraph and you read this paragraph and you have someone like i don't know if i can enunciate the full paragraph <laughs> uh, you know, just like, I, yeah. and I don't I, mean, I understand that they're nervous but i i I can't relate to that fear yeah like at all like i have no ability to relate to it because i, I was i got so used to it when i was so young yeah. that i don't e- i don't even remember having like the giant nervousness that must be overcome like i understand that it's there because everyone tells me it must be there i but i you know I just nod shake my head and nod, but I don't actually understand it
1: you know yeah you're very you're very uh, talented communicator, like oh. even the way you shared stories the first time I met you in the car like <laughs> you just yeah, it's like you were reading from a script, and I look back there and I'm like, yeah, there's no script oh, he he just knows like you have all these crazy random facts, and then you just explain historical events so um, I don't know what the right word is, it's engaging, yeah. Yeah. thank you, yeah.
2: I mean, I was just more being like a, from a fear relation standpoint and, yeah. and and like society wise too, we do the, we do the same thing where, um, it's a little bit different in terms of lack of understanding. Um, like I think on an individual level, it's perhaps lack of understanding. Yeah. Um, and in terms of on a societal level, I think it's lack of proper risk assessment. Yes. Like I was it,
1: just going to say something like that. Like, yeah.
2: like, like once you convince, uh, a population that something has any kind of a negative drawback whatsoever, they immediately become averse, like, oh, we have to avoid that negative drawback at all costs. Doesn't matter, what the, doesn't matter what the cost is. Doesn't matter what the trade-off is. Like, if you adequately get people afraid of something, they will, like, vote on anything or support anyone or, like, give up any degree of, you know, control or whatever yeah. to avoid that consequence when that's just not how... Like, that's not how society has ever worked. Like, and if society ever did function that way, it would cease to function immediately. Because there's anything, like anything that you can think of, like owning a dog, like driving a car, you know, whatever it is that has inherent risks. But because you don't hear like 100 news articles a day. Talking about the dog that killed somebody, which you could you could do. Yeah. There's like thirty or forty thousand dog bites a year in the United States, 365 days a year. Yeah. So you could flood a news cycle with hundreds of stories a day about new dog bites, and then dogs would be banned tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's so like, true. That's yeah. so true. And it's true about almost anything that you think of. You know, yeah. like uh, there, there's a certain number of people every year who are killed by falling vending machines. Now, <laughs> to be fair, that's like some natural yeah. selection. Like a guy. I mean, that's that
0: a fun. system. statistic I think it was in like 2018 like we had more people die from vending machines than shark attacks yeah and it's like and we're
2: all
1: super scared of sharks like um... but we stick our arms in vending machines all the time yeah yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um and credit to the um vending machine though, the vending machine was specifically people who grabbed the whole machine and, and shook. shook it because like that Twix bar was just that important <laughs> to them. Like you don't understand. My life literally depends on this right now. It's, it's
1: funny the risk assessment you were talking about yeah. earlier. Because yeah. you, you don't think of I'm gonna shake this and it's gonna fall on me. But also like people they don't they don't measure those accurately at all. Like I'm never speaking in front of a crowd because when I, and this is something that happened with me in, um, and it's a homeschool setting. I was in a private school with all homeschoolers, so not very much risk at all. And there's like eight people in my class and I was, I was reading out loud, but I, I was not a great reader, mostly because my, my I, I didn't have the best uh, encouragement growing up with my reading. Um, and I'm listening, I'm, a I'm dyslexic. <laughs> dyslexic sometimes. And so I, I was just deathly afraid to read in front of my... And it, the fear made me a terrible reader. Like, I could read to myself just fine. But if I'm reading in front of a crowd, the fear of reading in front of the crowd makes me... It's just like I adapt to the fear. Like, oh, I'm a terrible reader in front of crowds because I think I'm a terrible reader in front of crowds, not because I am. And then since then, my my teacher was like... Kind of called me out in front of the class, like... On a few things I I said wrong or I enunciated something wrong, and then f- since then I was just like, oh, I'm never talking in front of people again, and now I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> but it's it's just a weird risk assessment. You're like, since that one time, that one teacher in that one place in front of eight homeschoolers, <laughs> I, I don't talk in front of people now. But it's it's the same thing with your wasp thing. Like, I I was bit by a dog growing up, but I it depends on the severity, I guess, of whether or not there's some people. I know that have had car accidents and it takes them six months to get back in a car. But it's it's you're definitely, it's a risk every time.
0: Yeah, totally. And with the dog thing, like I think I, I don't even remember this, but like my mom told me like when I was like, like one and a half or two, I like a dog jumped on me. And then like, like all the way until I was like, I think I was like 13 before I could like be not scared of a dog anymore. Wow, and yeah. like, I didn't even like consciously remember that, but like those fears that just get put in our brain. And it's just like, it's just in there. Yeah, and like we didn't, we just learned it, and then it's not even like we're consciously trying to think of it. It's just like, yeah.
1: just why is it, Why are you there? <laughs> yeah. And you avoid it at all costs. Yeah, like dark yeah. rooms for people that are scared of the dark. It's like, it's it's just the fact that they haven't tried it in a while since they were eight or however old they were. Like, oh, I haven't slept. I can't do that. <laughs> but they just haven't tried.
2: Yeah, well, and, and yeah. I think some some fears can be overcome. Some are probably stuck with people, and I think some of that, so on an individual level. I am more okay trying to just be accepting of people's irrational fears than I am on a societal level. Like, on a societal level, I do think we should be way better at just, like, weighing actual consequences out to determine, like, broader policy. And, like, if you're actually going to, like, fear monger over that, I tend to have, like, a lot less respect for you. Whereas, like, on an individual level, if, if you're scared of something that doesn't make sense to me like, fine, I'm not going to put any effort into making you get over it. Like, and I'll try to be accommodating, like, as I can, like, on an individual level, you know, with, like, somebody, you know, like, at dinner or something. Like, if they're scared of crab, I'm not going to, like, order a whole one, you know, and put it in, like, get over it. Yeah. Order them a crab cake and you don't tell them it has crab.
1: Yeah. My my brother hated uh, bell peppers growing up, and it wasn't necessarily fear. Something with fear, it felt like. Because he just would not touch anything that had it. But I think it was more of a flavor issue. But that was definitely something that reminded me of the crab. Because my sister uh, took all of the peppers off of a pizza and then gave it to him. And he's like, I wouldn't even eat a pizza that had it on it. And then I took it off. So she's like doing a science experiment with him. And she's our youngest sister. So it's kind of fun. Went with my older brother. And then he ate the pizza and didn't say anything. And then... The fear kicked in after she explained that it used to have bell peppers. I'm like, oh, wow.
2: No, my, my parents tried to do the same thing with uh, milk. It was, milk. It was, well, it wasn't a fear thing. It was entirely just a cheapskate, like Costco thing. <laughs> they, um, they, they were tired of buying milk. <laughs> and so they tried to get us to drink uh, goat's milk. Mm. which is way more sour than regular milk. I don't recommend, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> do not pass goat. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, it's not nasty, but like it's different. Anyone who actually tells you that goat's milk tastes the same as regular milk is just lying. Um, <laughs> but so, uh, however, so if they, like, if we milked the goat and they put that in like a cup and told us to drink it, we would not, or we would tangibly not enjoy it. Mm. So then, what they would do is we would go through like the regular milk out of the regular gallons, and then they would put the goat's the milk, milk into the regular milk gallons, yeah. and it it would still taste off. But whenever we complained about it, they were all like, "Oh, it's probably just going bad. You should drink it real quick before, before like it, it goes all the way bad." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it turns th- the cottage cheese. Yeah, and then we out. would like, and then we would drink it like, and it would be like a willing, voluntary. You know, like just consumption of deception. <laughs> it's like a reverse Christmas. Yeah. You know what I'm mean? saying? Like
1: uh, it still exists. This is just different milk that's almost bad. It's such weird. That's <laughs> a weird thing that that people lie to their kids about. They're like, and so they it was inconvenient to buy
2: regular milk well, over goat's milk. Well, no, because we had goats. So the goat's oh, milk was It free. was like fresh. I thought <laughs> but, that was an example. Well, wow. it, it was free. It was free more and more milk. so, yeah. So like <laughs> they would rather have free milk, free than, milk than, than paid milk. Paid milk, yeah. <laughs> yep, that's why I bought a pump. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had to do all that by hand. We, we had to milk the goat regardless whether we drank it or not because um, if you stopped milking the goat, it would stop producing the milk. Oh, and so like correct. one of the daily chores was milking the goats. And so that was just something oh, that wow. we naturally did. Yeah. And we didn't really have anything to do with the milk. Like sometimes we fed it to another animal. Sometimes we just tossed it away and sometimes they put it in the regular milk. Yeah, mm. <laughs> Deception. I, I had a
1: goat growing up actually. Uh, it's name. I had one goat. It, we didn't milk it cause it was a male. So, uh, so that's d- uh, very sour milk. So, I hear so <laughs> bad joke. um, his name was Captain Crunch. We called him Crunch for short. He would play with our horse. They they duel, so he'd be on the other side of the fence, and the horse would go and do this weird prancy gallop, kick its legs, and then the goat would just watch the whole time. And then as soon <laughs> as the horse was done, then the goat would get up and start prancing and kicking its legs, and they were in this weird like competition, it was like a, a dance off almost. And uh, it this this goat would put its two front hooves over the swing and push itself on the swing so you'd look in the backyard and our, our goat would just be pushing itself and just having a, a, old, a gay old time
2: nice good that's, that's actually quite clever yeah thanks
0: I'm your producer Nathan Swanstrom and thanks for sticking around to the end of episode one of the Beautiful Chaos podcast this is um first episode so in this recording session I think we recorded for about two and a half hours and this is just first half hour um next friday we should have episode two coming out and if you want to hear the entire thing unedited right now we that is available on our patreon that's patreon.com slash podcast beautiful chaos and uh yeah uh, that's that's available um that also helps support us a bit um totally optional and i think that is about it for us uh Come back next Friday for the next episode. This has been Beautiful Chaos.